32 players have 3,000 or more hits in MLB history. Barry Bonds isn't one of them, but he's been on base more than all but one of those players. Pete Rose. What good company those two keep. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Eric Haas that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening, Robert Baseball. What's happened this evening, Robbie? Uh, just home late from work. You know, we busting it hard today. Some sort of 400 person function at. Uh, Waterloo for pharmacy students. So something cool happened in pharmacy and I fed a whole bunch of future pharmacists. And now I'm here to assist with fantasy baseball. That's awesome. So a bunch of drug dealers. Uh, <laughs> future. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so the creme de la creme. Uh, ultimately, I, I ripped down a beautiful prime rib from the keg this evening. Wow. I went with one of the guys from the office who's in town. Uh, he's not from the office. Uh, he works uh, in, a, in a remote location, but he's in town. So I took him up for uh, a nice prime rib dinner. And he wasn't a fan of the horseradish. So naturally, I took his horseradish and put it on top of all of the horseradish that I used. And part <laughs> of the enjoyment of eating that prime rib is crying while you eat it. Because um, their yeah. horseradish is super spicy and I love it. So was the horseradish that you got straight grated horseradish or was it a horseradish cream like with sour cream? Uh, it's grated. The cake yeah. does a pretty good job. Like there's, there's is really good. It's, I, I'm not going to lie. The prime rib is good. I go for the horseradish. Yeah. So that horseradish, like the keg does not make that. That's just a prefab product. It's all over the world. It's fine. But I was asking just because uh, I was at a wedding New Year's Eve. And one of the guys at the table was able to order prime rib. It was the first wedding I've ever been to where you sat down, there was a menu and you actually ordered off of, I think four possible items. It was, it was quite the, quite the setup. I give him a lot of credit as a chef myself. I know how incredibly difficult that must be. So a lot of credit for them doing it. Anyway, he told us this great story of how he was in Vegas at some fancy restaurant, ordered prime rib. They gave him um, the, the creamed prime rib, which uh, is with sour cream. And he lost it. And he said, I couldn't believe it. I was so angry. He's like, the problem was I was really, excuse me, I was really drunk. So I just sounded like an idiot. And <laughs> as he's telling us this, he's like half in the bag himself. And I'm like, oh no, it's happening all over again. <laughs> but his dinner arrived, everything was good. And it was a real prime rib. They did bring him the cream. And, and then he specifically asked and they got it for him. So a lot of credit for that. Because I, I do understand um, it is important to get the side dish you want. But usually, Ty, I think you're on the, the younger end of the loving horseradish um, end of it. You should be somewhere in your early to mid-60s before you really dig in. But good for you. Uh, huge fan. Huge fan. Uh, let us know how you feel about horseradish. Uh, hit us up at Dinger's Pod and be sure to voice your opinion because 
it's a very hot topic, pun intended, and we just <laughs> want to hear what you have to say. So don't forget to follow at Robbie Baseball One and myself at Turney Boss and, and hit us up with all kinds of your fancy baseball questions. So let's dive right in this evening and find out what we got on tap. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Ooh, let's dive right in. Uh, I am am drinking a Wild Turkey 101 bourbon. Uh, it's a new one for me. And going to dive right in here, pour myself a little bit of a glass to get started. Robbie, what are you drinking tonight? I'm going to be enjoying a delightful Waterloo Dark from the Waterloo Brewing Company in Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, this is one of their, I think, originals. They only brew four right now. Uh, they do claim to be the... Uh, first craft brewer in Ontario, which I think was back in 84. Um, so I like it. I've had it several times. Cheers to we beers used, and bourbon. <laughs> we used to have the Waterloo Dark on tap at the curling club. It was wow. That's cool. Huge fan. And then they stopped selling in kegs, which was a huge disappointment. So I uh, really missing that. And if you ultimately, um, want some water really dark you got to get in the can now and that's a bit of a bummer but uh i'm a, I'm a huge fan so uh let's well, let's dive right in today robbie i actually was at the brewery last week and i know you can get like these huge jugs so you can get it straight from a keg and then they bottle it up for you but otherwise yeah you're right um i think the university like i work at the university of waterloo i think they have it in bottles but again um, certainly not the best option. Waterloo Dark prides themselves on having $2.50 tall boys. So for all of you Americans, that's $2.50 for one, not for more than one. We do pay a premium for our beer, as Ty and I have spoken uh, about before. So anywho, that's enough of that. Let's get on to other players who get paid big, big bucks and MLB news. Yeah, big news today out of Tampa Bay trading first-round pick from last season, uh, Matt Libertor, which for me is a crazy trade. Uh, I have Libertor way up my board. Huge fan of what he brings to the table. And the return is, is somewhat questionable. I, I don't see what they see in this trade, and I don't understand why you gave up a guy like Libertor to get this trade uh, across the table. I do think the return of Jose Martinez coming back, uh, Randy Arizarina, I think I got that one pretty close. Um, Jose Martinez, I think, is a little bit of an underrated player. I think he's going to have a little more success in Tampa. But I do not understand why you need a Libertor to get this deal done. It just seems like a crazy one to me. Unless they, Tampa Bay knows something about Libertor that we haven't seen yet. Um, kind of a strange one. How are you feeling about this one, Robbie? Yeah, I'm conflicted right now. Like, Libertor is a high school arm. Um, he's now had one f- like full as in full season in the Rays organization. He was picked in 2018 mentioned him off the last pod that um, he would have been one of the few young arms I would have taken with a first round pick in 2018. Um, I I'm not a big Jose Martinez guy. I don't understand 
why Tampa Bay is now seemingly loading up on these types. And I say seemingly because um, they signed Japanese uh, imports, um, Tsutsugo, who's an outfield possible third base type. They've got Martinez, who's you know an outfield possible first base type. And they also have J-Man Choi, who is a DHE first base type, which all of these guys are not swift guys on the base paths. Um, Susugo could certainly change our minds because we haven't seen him. I've only looked at a bit of tape on him, and they were certainly trying to showcase power and ability to hit more than they were um, speeder on the base path. So, uh, Randy Arozinia, uh, as you had said, a little better than me there, Ty. He um, is definitely the wild card in this. But again, like you said, it, it's a little conflicting to see Libertor going in a return when Martinez and Arozinia, who I'm just going to say could be very much the key to this trade and perhaps somebody that St. Louis did not want to move. And this is definitely somebody that we'll all be looking into and you're going to start to see all over Twitter the next 18 hours, you know, well into the weekend for sure. You'll be able to find out everything about the guy um, because people are going to really be needing to justify this trade and we're already seeing stuff pop up on twitter that's you know making us laugh with the why would you um trust or sorry why wouldn't you trust a tampa bay trade and then everybody in st louis is like this is just a primer so that they can go and get arenado and then people in boston are saying this is just a primer so that st louis can trade bets uh, or trade for bets so i don't see this as a final trade like I, maybe this is part of a package that's going to move forward but a tampa bay to st louis deal to me I, I wouldn't have taken this if i was in real baseball if i was in a fantasy points if i was in a fantasy head-to-head categories if i'm in a roto if I, if I am tampa bay that's a decline trade 100 out of 100 times so they know more than we do obviously but yeah i, I mean i just don't get this one this is kind of we've talked about it this week ironically this kind of looks like oh, there's a new team in the league. Let's see if we can get a trade by them kind of <laughs> yeah. scenario. Here. New GM just showed up. Let's <laughs> let's throw them a low ball. Let's see who yeah. I want. Da, 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 da. Libertor. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if maybe the Rays caught the Cardinals. or the, No, the other way around. The Cardinals caught the Rays trying to steal some of their data. Ella. <laughs> Keep it under the table. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's just make this go away. I don't know. But there's something. That there's would something. be so funny. <laughs> There's something going on here, and I I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I do think uh, you're right on Eras Arena. We got to figure out how to say that one. Yeah, uh, I think Eras Arena is what we're gonna call him, or we can just call him Xena Warrior Princess. I'm good with that. <laughs> well, the uh, quick, the quick details on him. Uh, he you know he he came up last year. He got 20 at bats. You know, one home run, 300 batting average. The guy's 24. I'm not sure if he'll be entering his age 25 season or not. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who is a perfectly fine hitter, uh, had a really good average last year between AA and AAA, 344. Um, so I don't know if maybe Tampa Bay's just really done their homework. And I always fear, as I mentioned earlier, if Tampa Bay trades a pitcher, uh, there's got to be a good reason why, because their current track record is develop them. And if I'm a St. Louis fan, I've got to be thinking, well, at least we didn't get Honeywell. <laughs> but yeah. if Tampa Bay kept Honeywell and traded Libertor, who I would think, you know, they could be on par in the sense that they're, there's obviously injury issues with Honeywell, but Libertor is much further away. Um, yeah, like to be in that Tampa Bay office today would have been interesting. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I would just love the behind the scenes explanation here. And, you know, Tampa Bay is also sending Edgardo Rodriguez, a catcher, a 19 year old with really good Domin uh, Dominican summer league numbers uh, as well. So very interesting trade. I mean, for me to say this is a, even a remotely even trade, I need Randy Azarina to really make it happen and or Jose Martinez to do the same. So uh, I, I do think there's the upside of Martinez. I think he's a better hitter than St. Louis gave him an opportunity because they certainly gave him very limited at-bats last year. So uh, I think there's, there's an opportunity there for him to take a big step forward. Um, and I, I, the other thing is, too, Tampa's also sending their competitive balance round pick as well so I mean just for me the, the the value just seems way off here and I don't well in that one Ty St. Louis is sending their first rounder like first round competitive balance so I think that's usually somewhere in the 30s and Tampa's sending their second but again you could kind of argue that's unless the idea behind that is that gives more money to sign other picks that one could kind of be arguably a wash yeah yeah true yeah no, it's just a strange trade that's all let's let's leave it there but uh, definitely going to um, make interesting additions for Libertor, who was in a very deep pitching system and now goes to Tampa, who really has – Leaves Jack Tampa. Leonard. He goes to St. Louis. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, he definitely is in an organization that really only has two young arms near the top of the system, being Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. So I think it's a guy that could fall into that depth at some point here. So – Really interesting. I think it's a real value jump for Libertor because I think there's less people in front of him in St. Louis that are going to slow his development time down. That said, St. Louis very rarely rushes people to the pros, so um, keep that in mind. But I, I, I like him to develop. St. Louis has a really good eye for this sort of guy, so uh, be really interesting to see how this one plays out a couple of years from now. Yeah, there's definitely a to-be-continued and asterisk beside this trade so that we can follow it. Because um, even heading into this year, like, they don't have Azarina on uh, roster resource via fan graphs. They don't have him uh, listed on their major league roster. And this also hurts somebody that I had spoken to you about before in Brian O'Grady, who came over from Cincinnati in, in November, um, had great numbers of AAA last year, and would have been a perfect kind of fourth, fifth outfielder for Tampa more you know like the 26 man on the roster guy who could have had a good shot if Hunter Renfro struggles but Tampa's got three legit outfielders already in Kiermaier Meadows and um uh sorry Kiermaier Meadows and Renfro thank you Renfro in addition to you know Martinez possibly Tsutsugo going out there so there's a lot of outfield depth but this is really about having a right-handed bat at first base. That's really what it comes down to. Because you, currently the, the first base uh, group of uh, Choi and – who am I missing? Choi, uh, Susugo, and Nate Lowe potentially. So, for me, I, I wasn't overly impressed by Nate Lowe last year. I think he's the odd man out here. I think you're, you're going to see his roster spot go away. Uh, Martinez is going to slide in there and kind of platoon with Choi and Susugo between first base and DH. Yeah, there are a lot of lefties on Tampa. That's that's for sure. So we'll have to see. Um, but, you know, it was the newest news. It's certainly been, I think, the most exciting news that we get to cover tonight. Not that Luis Robert signing a five-year deal isn't great for fantasy. Uh, it is. And he's ideally now going to get every opportunity to start the season with the White Sox, who we've talked a lot about. Um, 
but yeah, this is this is brutal for anybody that actually was thinking about getting Luis Robert because or Robert because he is now not going to be obtainable. This is almost like an Evan White scenario where the value is now at absolute peak. Uh, if you were wanting to get him, or maybe you were like, I'll invest in this deal maybe a little later in the offseason. Well, you blew it, son, because he's now going to stick. In redraft leagues, he is flying up the charts. He's now um, through different fantasy sites in the 80s for overall ADP, uh, whereas before the year started, he was over 100. So we're seeing a lot of things fly up in redraft and dynasty. I think this kid's the real deal, but 80th overall is is too much. He's not going to produce at that level. Not um, one single MLB at bat. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of that. I mean, I, I do like him. Uh, if you're in a deeper league, I, you got to take a shot on him if if he's somehow available. You need to get a, uh, get him on your roster. But if you're if you're in a redraft, I mean, that's a guess and a hope and a prayer. You can take a more solidified option that'll help you. But uh, I mean, we've talked about. Chicago and nauseam and you know we're all really excited to see the White Sox this year uh, for an AL Central it's been really really boring uh, they're going to be fairly exciting this year between Minnesota the White Sox uh, and in Cleveland definitely has the pitching to stay in contention assuming they don't make a couple more moves here before the spring starts um, Luis Robert is going to be a mainstay in that division for a long time I'm certainly super excited to see him and this this deal just gets them there faster which I like Definitely. For dynasty purposes, this is a good thing. The Chicago White Sox, for dynasty purposes, are a good thing long-term. We're just not so sure how it's all going to shake out, Sorry, specifically the first half of 2020. Um, Somebody who we can easily move on to and very quickly on from is Baltimore signing of Jose Iglesias. Uh, Ty, you've mentioned before, he's a perfectly fine option if you are recovering from somebody with injury, if you need a fill-in. He can be streamed in bigger leagues. He's probably going to be stuck on a team um, that kind of put shortstop as an afterthought because there's now a lot of solid shortstop options. He's a good defender, so he should be the starter. Great defender. Yes, he should be in Baltimore's lineup every day. Um, decent potential average for him. He's somewhere in the mid-20s for dynasty ranking on account of the fact that he just doesn't have a permanent home. Um, he's a really good upper-tier bench bat for a good team. He's certainly a buy-low for your bench bat in the sense that there should not be a lot of cost to acquire him. Uh, points leagues, he's pretty solid last year. We were we were looking it up yesterday. I don't remember if it was in the upper twos um, in the 30-team league that we play in, uh, but you know, categories, he's good. He's he's helping you across the board. He certainly isn't K in five to one or anything silly like that. He's not a detriment to any team. He just has a very low ceiling. Yeah, I mean, really the power numbers are really what's lacking here. So if if you're deep in the power categories, certainly a guy that can offset it. So as Robbie's saying, like if you didn't get one of the big tier shortstops and you're in a deep league, this is a guy that's not really going to hurt you. He's just going to kind of give you an average steady go throughout the year he's probably going to hit ninth in Baltimore he's going to turn over that lineup and there's some power at the top so you could see a little bit of a spike in runs uh, as opposed to where he's been the last couple of years and you know it'll be really interesting to see he's going to get to play so if you are in a points league love him for a points league more so than a category because he's going to get out there and play every day there's not a lot of other options in Baltimore uh, at least for a couple of years I do think this signing is about a stopgap most importantly and two, I think they're bringing him to show some of the younger kids they have in the system how to play defense. 
yeah, hopefully this is one that can actually help Baltimore uh, with that gap, as you had said. Now, an interesting signing here. We do our best to avoid spending much time on catchers, uh, certainly not to the detriment of them on the MLB level. However, for fantasy purposes, they just aren't helping you as much as everybody else. Uh, Elias Diaz, former catcher for Pittsburgh, has signed a minor league deal with Colorado. Uh, in 2019, he was getting on charts and on people's radars as a possible breakout after a 2018 in which he had a 286, 791 OPS with 10 dingers in 252 at-bats. Uh, he certainly became a bust or a cut in most leagues and formats, 20 teams and bigger, because Pittsburgh DFA'd him after his terrible season. Um and he's now in Colorado as a likely backup to start the year. And with Tony Walters being the only guy in front, it's entirely possible that he could catch on. But it seems to be an issue with Colorado and good catchers and good first basemen where they just don't happen. So somebody to watch for, certainly not somebody to go crazy for. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's let's a catcher. Let's move on to another one. Uh, Jason Castro signing in L.A. with the Angels. Another guy, kind of a Mac type scenario, like. Who really cares? Um, just a guy that goes out and catches the ball. Not really a guy that provides you much on the offensive side anymore. In his early days of his career, there was some upside. I think we've had enough of a sample over the last couple of years to see that he's a replacement level on a good day uh, and probably not a guy you want to be rolling out on your starting roster every day. But depth piece, probably going to get some at-bats because there's not a lot in front of him in, in L.A. Either Max Stassi's out there. So you're probably going to split time in all likelihood in, in L.A. Yeah, similar setup to what he had in Minnesota for the last couple of years. But Garver, obviously, last year really took the reins um, of control. So moving on to the next and final catcher that signed, as that market is certainly uh, coming to a close, is Robinson Trinos heads himself to Texas over the last two years in roughly 360 at-bats per season. He's getting you some okay numbers, 50-ish in the runs in the upper teens for dingers uh, in, in and around 60 RBIs. He chips in with a stolen base here and there. He's got a K to walk. It's about two and a half to one uh, average in and around 230. And the OPS is what kind of saves you because of that power somewhere in the upper sevens. So Torino's goes to Texas. We're not in, exactly sure what's going to happen with that park, but we assume it'll be perfectly fine, especially when you get those hot, dry days in, in Texas summer. So Trinos, a filler option, um, I think loses a bit of value as he's now a year older and not with Houston. Uh, you don't want to have him on your bench. You certainly need to be playing him if you, if you got him. But uh, again, he's somebody who's just not hurting you. He's not somebody yeah. who I think is going to help. He's one of those guys that if you just don't care about catchers and put it way down your draft priority, a nice guy to just grab to fill that roster spot. So really safe bet, really kind of the – catcher version of Jose Iglesias, to be honest, like just a guy yeah. that's not really going to kill you and just really kind of doesn't hurt. So um, we've spent way too much time on catchers in a row. So let's move to the second least important position. And that's relief pitching. Seashack um, by the seashore. Uh, Steve Seashack is in the south side of Chicago, joining Luis Robert on the back end, really a guy that's on the backside of his career, but has always provided fairly reasonable value throughout the years. Probably not going to be the back-end bullpen piece in Chicago, but could see a lot of seventh-inning, sixth-inning action setting it up. So probably more a holds guy, if anything. Um, definitely unlikely to be a saves guy, but a very 
respectable 2.5 ERA over the last two seasons with 60 saves holds. You can't be angry at that. Uh, and if he produces that kind of 30 hold number again, like have at it. Like that's, that's a pretty respectable guy that you can get for a really reasonable price. Yeah, it, it would certainly be seemingly from the outside that um, the save hold opportunities are going to be drastically down for him this coming season. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know where the White Sox are going to plug everybody in and he might be the perfect guy to come in and maybe get two outs for you or sorry uh, to, to face um, two or three tough hitters to try to get the three batters and, and, and out. Um, so we'll, ha- yeah, we'll really have to see, but regardless, he's not going to hurt you. I, similar to some of these other guys, they're not going to hurt. They're just, uh, ceiling is capped. Uh, I would say that C-Shack has had his best seasons, and now we're just hoping that he can come in and be somebody who's depth on your roster. Uh, in those big 30-team leagues, these are guys that certainly can help. In points leagues, he can be somebody that can be getting you between three and four points per game. And if he's out there for 16 innings this year, that means you might get eight to 10 points a week from him. That can beat an outfielder who's streaky from time to time. So he can help yeah. to bring up your base. Well, and I think he's he's kind of like a younger version, a slightly younger version of Joe Smith, uh, just going to be kind of more of a an artist more so than a pitcher anymore. But uh, I think it's going to, you know, give it a really interesting perspective this season with the three uh, batter limit uh, or minimum, sorry, that these relievers are going to have to face. And ultimately it leads us into our next guy who I think might find himself pitching in those situations in Jimmy Nelson. I'm not sure that he's been acquired by the Dodgers at a ridiculous $750,000 to be a starter. I think he might be a long relief design guy. Uh, And it'll be really, really interesting uh, with a $5 million option for 2021 if he hits the 60 inning quota. So really, really interesting numbers last year were not good in 22 innings, 26 Ks with 17 runs given. Um, just really questionable, but Ross Gill there, uh, healthy for the first time in a couple of years, could be a really good buy low for the Dodgers. Yeah, and they've got him. Uh, Fangraphs roster resource page has him slated, and exactly like you said, Ty is a long reliever. I think they really just want to see what he's got come spring training. It's not a major investment, but they do have that option. And I mean, depending on on who you get, like when you tack that option on, you're committing to the player. So it's a it's a good deal it should be a really inexpensive buy in all formats and a potential great payoff so i mean when you've got kershaw bueller uh kenta maeda julio reyes and ross stripling as your top five there's certainly some room in there where you could see nelson coming up and sneaking in a start or two and maybe even establishing himself for a section of your season Um, well and i think this actually could be a really interesting precursor for a trade of one of those young arms for a guy like a Lindor or a Betts heading to the Dodgers. It'd be really interesting. Um, you know, the, the Dustin Mays, Tony Goslin, uh, Luis Urias kind of back end of that Dodger rotation. Any one of those arms could be in a big deal at some point, uh, unlikely, but possible. So just really interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see the way the Dodgers are playing this one. Yeah. And certainly to a lesser note, even Tyson Ross minor league deal with San Francisco, um, I can't envision Ross starting the year with San Francisco. His ERA in 35 innings last year was just north of six, and he had 25 Ks. So he certainly isn't helping you in any format. Uh, really shallow rotation in a 30-team dynasty points, maybe. You take a flyer on him, depending on how things are going in spring training. But realistically, we're only mentioning him because he signed, and we try to mention anybody who might be of use. 
Tyson Ross may be converting to the bullpen, um, but we don't know that at this point in time. So I'm not seeing much as far as Tyson Ross goes. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think he's the kind of guy that is a, has always been a two-pitch pitcher and for whatever reason has never been uh, put into the bullpen. I, I'd love to see him find a place out there. I think San Francisco is the right opportunity for him. There are lots of playing time to go around if you're putting down some some solid numbers. Well, you know where there won't be lots of playing time this year? Washington. Here we go. I'm going to rhyme them off because they have been busy. Will Harris signed to Washington. Good move. Not a surefire improvement for him in saves, uh, save only format specifically or in points, but he's a top 35 RP in eight by eight categories where in 2019 he was ranked eighth. Uh, Washington signed David Hernandez, who you're wondering who that is. Brutal stat line, but there's a pretty good deep dive through MLBTradeRumors.com. Talks about how he could potentially be an efficient starter for fantasy owners. Certainly somebody who would be, you know, seventh or eighth on the uh, death chart. Starling Castro signed with Washington from Miami. Very Washington move. Get an MLB vet to start the season and adds depth to help you balance out your young guys. Um, not a really of use in Dynasty other than if you need somebody to fill to be for you this year. Washington has Keyboom, uh, Turner, and possibly a third baseman that could be coming. Um, but Castro could also just settle in for the season and possibly beyond. Um, Asdrubal Cabrera, one year, uh, he came over in a trade and, or free. I forget what it was, but he came over to Washington last year and re-signed. So here's some depth for you. Hopefully this is the trade. That means Howie Kendrick will now be your first baseman. Um, we don't want Carter Keyboom to just be given third base. It didn't go great last year for him so we don't want all that pressure but this could be a great stepping stone with all these vets coming around um we're now going to fast forward a couple of days later and washington assigned eric thames um so there goes my idea of howie kendrick settling in as the first baseman every day as thames is going to come in now and muck that up a little bit uh one year four million dollars so kendrick's 550 potential at bats for me crossing my fingers goes down Thames is likely to carve out 300-ish at bats. Um, he's a good filler, good bench guy. And uh, what was the last one here? Daniel Hudson re-upped with Washington. Uh, Ty, you've got a lot of good things to say about Hudson. That's the last deal. Please feel free. Circle back. Tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, Washington signed their bets. And finally, they did also today just um, come reach an out-of-arbitration agreement with um, Michael – oh, my goodness. What's his hey, name? Hey, Taylor. Thank you, Michael Taylor, who has been a wannabe fantasy darling of mine, never been able to convert. So Washington's really just solidified their bench. Go. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> put all this together, and I think you can kill the possibility of Josh Donaldson landing in Washington. Too much infield depth. I think this fills their roster. They may add a bullpen piece still, but I think they're pretty much set everywhere else. Um, and to that, Mike Rizzo, I say this. And ultimately, that's a thing where uh, I'm really excited to see what they're going to be able to do this year. Uh, Will Harris is a really good addition to a bullpen uh, in combination with Daniel Hudson that's now solidified. You've got Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle on the back end. That's a pretty strong punch. You had the upside that Tanner Rainey brings to the table, throwing absolute gas. That bullpen's a pack and a punch. So. I think Starling Castro is going to slide in at second, possibly play a little third, 
And likewise, Cabrera is probably going to be on the other side of that with Kivum knocking down the door whenever possible. I think it's a good signing because the reality of Howie Kendrick getting 550 at-bats is extremely unlikely. He's not that durable. Great player. Always I just want it to happen. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, so does he, but it's called a bad hamstring. <laughs> and he's had it for a long time, and it's not going away. So I just think this is a really good move by the, the champs uh, to really re-solidify an opportunity. And nobody's talking about the, how much they've done this offseason uh, until now. You know, he put Strasburg on the front of it. This is a really good offseason for Washington. I, I like what they've done. I think they're immediately contenders again because Soto's going to get better. Robles is going to get better. And now you've got that infield depth again. So barring some crazy injuries, I really like their chances to give it a go again. Um, but let's look for Kibum. Yeah, he's the real piece here. If Kibum comes up and, and progresses as he should, then – it's going to make it a lot easier for Washington Washington to fit him in and do all these other things. We want to see good things from Kibu, and we want to see these players that are supposed to be really good come up and be really good. And speaking of that, new Los Angeles Angels manager, Joe Madden, has recently said that he will consider having Otani hit when he pitches. Uh, this could take him from an estimated 390 at-bats. This is peak, my estimation, based on what has happened previously with him in the 2018 season and could up him another 90 at bats potentially to 480. So this could really boost him in categories leagues and make him that fantasy demigod I have been hoping for since first discovering him back in 2016 and patiently waiting to be able to draft him going as far Ty as printing off a t-shirt, hiding it underneath the hoodie. When I went to one of our drafts and thank goodness he fell to me, I think third or fourth that year. And I was able to rip off my hoodie and expose my Otani to Sondra metrics shirt um, way back when it, his name was translated as O H T A N I. And then over that off season, it got dropped. The H got dropped. So it just became O T A N I. So I am old school. Otani love you long time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I think his at-bats as he's pitching are going to be really limited to right-handed pitching. Uh, I don't think he's going to see a ton of at-bats while he's on the hill versus lefties. Uh, just don't see it happening, but uh, I, I like his upside. I like where he's going. Let's dive into the topic we really want to cover today, Robbie. Uh, why don't you lead it off? Yeah, we're going to talk about 2018 players that were on the peripherals that in 2019 – establish themselves as dynasty regulars. And we are going to talk today about the guys in 2019 who made very simplistic moves and could really establish themselves in 2020. It could be a buy early stat, uh, whatever you want to call it. But here we go. A recap of the 2019 guys that really established themselves. Giolito, that's an obvious one. Frankie Montas, the suspension aside, he's a top 40 SP anywhere that I have been seeing dynasty ranks, including my own. I've seen him as high as 27. And in categories leagues, his stat line is very intriguing. Brad Keller, not going to blow you away in 2019 with that line, but he, he like kind of ran out of gas towards the end and the stat line got a bit worse. Sandy Alcantara of Miami, exact same scenario 
pitched himself a good season. This is a guy who was throwing triple digits before. He's learning to pitch now. I think 2020 could be even better, but Sandy established himself and should be owned in every league 15 and up headed into the 2020 season. And finally, to round out that starting rotation, Aaron Savale of Cleveland, who really only needed, I think, his 82 innings or whatever it was that he pitched. Um, I'm sure, I know, I think in two, possibly three, um, 30 team dynasties that I participate in, Savali is still going to be available via free agency or draft, depending on the formats of those leagues, simply because he was not owned in these 30 team leagues headed into last year. So he becomes available again. So this is a guy who everybody is going to be all over. And again, Cleveland clearing out Kluber really kind of helps to further establish Savali, who at the start of the offseason, it was kind of between him and um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Plea, Zach, um, as who would be the SP five or six. And it was kind of, you know, it should be Savali's job. So that's the starting rotation for 2019 that established themselves. Um, Ty, do you want to go through the RPs? Yeah, absolutely. Let's lead off with a guy that's a bit more of a journeyman than a lot of the guys on this list. Uh, Liam Hendricks in Oakland is the new project closer in Oakland. I've always loved Liam Hendricks when, you know, his days in Toronto were really underappreciated. Stuff was always really good. I think as he's really hammered himself into a full-time reliever role, which he was not early on in his career, uh, the stuff has just gotten sharper and sharper. I really like Liam Hendricks. I think he's a, an absolute back end of the bullpen staple at this point in time, and he needs to be owned everywhere. Love, love, love him. The fact that he's in the Coliseum in Oakland bodes well for his numbers. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, that, that extra foul ball percentage down the lines really plays well to these guys' ERA, especially some of the power guys that can get it up and on the hands. Love it a lot. So I think a guy that is still in most leagues a buy low option, I really like it. His inning count has has really ramped up over the last couple of years. He only threw 24 innings in 2018. A little bit of an injury season, but 85 last year and a ridiculous uh, strikeout number where he had uh, 124 Ks last season. So uh, really exciting stuff. I, I really like Liam Hendricks as a guy that you can get in on. Uh, 33 saves and holds last season. So get after my boy Liam Hendricks. Uh, in the bull, bullpen uh, out in Boston, Brandon Workman, a guy really underappreciated. Um, he went, you know, really turned into an arm for them. You know, I think a lot of people have asked a lot of hard questions about that bullpen in Boston, but I think they knew they had a couple guys out there like Workman who really developed last season, 30-plus saves holds uh, and 104 strikeouts in 71 innings. So really, really like it. I think there's a lot of upside um, but yeah, I mean, if I, if I'm buying one or the other, still give me Liam Hendricks. He had a 1.88 ERA. Love oh, sorry, it. Ty. That was Workman that had it. My apologies. Yeah. So definitely get to Workman with his 1.88 ERA, but I still yeah. love, I still love Liam Hendricks over Workman. Um, I, I'm unsure of the sustainability of Workman at this point in time, but I definitely, um, if I had to pick one risk-wise, I'm going to take Hendricks. We've talked about my draft strategies a lot before in terms of taking those high floor guys. Hendricks, that guy for me, Workman might have a slightly higher upside. Uh, so, you know, pick your poison. A guy that's really underappreciated in Colorado is Scott Oberg. Um, a guy that's hard to get really excited about because he's in Colorado. 
but really two really solid seasons uh, with the tough ending to, to last season with a blood clot, but had a 2.25 ERA in 56 innings. You got to love that from a guy pitching in Colorado and in a relatively strong division out, out in uh, the West in the NL. Uh, six wins, pretty successful. You got to like that. So a guy that really, a younger guy that's really established himself in Minnesota, uh, Taylor Rogers. He's had 60 saves holds over the last two years with a 2.6 ERA. You have to love those numbers. And, and another guy that's kind of been buried a little bit down the depth chart in Minnesota and really, really love all these guys out of the pen. If I could set up those four guys in, in my uh, bullpen, I'd be pretty happy with that outcome. So uh, guys that really weren't on the radar before last season as elite bullpen arms, and I think they're right on the fringe, if not fully into that conversation of, of elite from guys that you just wouldn't put there from the name alone. Absolutely, Ty. And we'll go through the position players a little faster simply because we want to get to the guys who we think are the best options for 2020. So we had Mitch Garver in Minnesota. We have mentioned him several times. Our first base breakout, Renato Nunez. Second base, Tommy Edmond. Third base, Gio Urshela. Uh, shortstop, John Birdie. Left field, Austin Meadows. If, if you think that one doesn't fit, check the stat line, folks. Austin Meadows broke out. 2019, really established himself. Center field, Oscar Mercado. Right field, Mike Yastrzemski in San Francisco. And the DH was Jorge Soler. So, Ty, anybody on here that you want to touch on quickly before we head into 2020? Yeah, I think, you know, John Birdie's a guy that uh, is really interesting to me. I think the shortstop eligibility is huge. He's going to play mostly second base in Miami. But I think it's a really interesting guy that's going to give you some position uh, flexibility. I love him. Um, as a really nice bench piece with some upside, he's going to be gritty. He's going to fill a couple categories. Um, not not somebody that you want to have as your starter, I don't think. Um, but the guy that I want to just throw the red flag up for is Gio Urshela. Uh, this is a guy that you know re very reminiscent of Jose Batista's career in terms of bounced around, really didn't get a real long shot, and then all of a sudden broke it with an absolute monster season in Toronto. So. Very similar here for Shell, who did it in New York. There's going to be less at-bats for him this year with Miguel Andahar coming back. And barring some sort of trade between now and the beginning of the season, Urshel is really going to see the decrease in at-bat because DJ LeMay is not going to give up the at-bats. Um, and you got to figure they're going to give some lion's share to Miguel Andahar unless he, for whatever reason, falls on his face. Uh, it's definitely going to impact Urshel. So that's the guy I'm most concerned with on this list. The rest of them I expect to have very similar seasons. Um, maybe with the exception of Jorge Solar hitting 50, but still like him for 40 if he stays healthy. Yeah, definitely. And that, and that's really the best way to say it here, Ty. Even though, like you said, you know, you're not too sure about Birdie. Uh, Urshela, you've got – I mean, it's obvious in New York. It happened last year where Urshela wasn't even in the conversation about um, guys that would be in trouble for getting at bats. And then he just walked on in and ended up with third base by the end of the season. So, um, yeah, these are guys who are all now established dynasty players. Something happens every year in MLB that changes the landscape. Uh, if you want a reference point, Cody Allen, uh, relief pitcher. I don't know if I've ever mentioned him on the podcast before, Ty. He was – a really good reliever and now he's not and, <laughs> and i own him in several dynasty formats listeners i've mentioned it before this is this is the thing you, you got to go with these guys when somebody comes in you got to jump on them and at the other end of it sometimes guys that you really wish they go out so for us 2020 options these are the guys that we think 
at most were mentioned last year. And at best, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, at, at best came in, do you want to go through the pitcher since you are certainly more of the pitcher guy and you hated a lot of the guys on my list? <laughs> yeah, this is again, we talk about it a lot. I, I love how different Robbie and I evaluate some of these guys. Um, Robbie is the king of the bargain bin, uh, in terms of guys that are like, who's this guy that you're all of a sudden getting 12 wins out of? Uh, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, I'm more of the long-term scout. That's uh, kind of where I win my battles, and it, it makes for a really fun conversation. And we have a lot of them. So I'll dive into a guy that is, is like peak Robbie here, and that's Yamamoto in uh, Miami. You know, kind of guy that has some really good peripheral stuff uh, that indicates he could have some improvement. Uh, really the big thing here to watch is his walk rate. That's the big red flag for him. He's definitely going to get a chance to win a job in Miami. And, and really make a run at a starting position. So a guy, again, that might be further down their depth chart, and a lot of guys in your league are probably going to underappreciate. So might be a guy you can either trade for a nobody and or if he's undrafted or free agent, pick up for almost nothing. So um, definitely get in on a Yamamoto if you're trying to fill out the back end of your rotation and or just build some depth. Uh, like him a lot. Robbie talks about a lot of your points league load up on those starters and he's probably going to find himself in that role this year. So really nice buy low option, Austin Both, uh, really nice guy running right around that nine K per inning, uh, sub 3.5 and an under three walk per nine on a team that, you know, he's probably not going to be uh, a huge relevant piece for, but with some aging arms, there's definitely the likelihood of some injuries out there in Washington really like the opportunity for Voth to, at least get some spot starts, and if there's some severe injuries, you know, he really only has to beat who, Eric Fede out to um, get, get a stop, shot at a, a start here. So That's um, if he doesn't win a job himself out of camp. You know, correct. like it's possible, um, what do we got, like Joe Ross, Anibal Sanchez at the back end of that rotation. Um, Sanchez is on the team, but realistically, like this is a rotation that has 31-and-a-half-year-old Strasburg, 35 and a half year old Scherzer, 30 year old Corbin, 36 year old basically Sanchez, and then Joe Ross is the one young guy. Like, they're not going to really hold Voth down if he's killing it at AAA this year and somebody needs a break. Again, we have a 15 day IL, so that might change some of those things, but I truly believe we could see Voth break in this year, very much like Frankie Montas last year, which was a guy that was not on very many radars. Uh, although he had some MLB experience, Austin has just over 50 innings pitch, so he won't be a rookie in most of your formats. Um, I'm definitely buying it on both and in all formats. Yeah, absolutely. The next guy on the list is probably my favorite out of your list. I, I've been on him for a while in, in some other leagues, and that's Brendan McKay. Uh, 49 innings last year, had some flashes of brilliance, and ultimately saw the numbers kind of jump towards the end of the year. Uh, guy that is probably less likely to find himself as a two-way player in the future. Um, but there's lots of rumors that he may try to go both ways. I think the trade today with Jose Martinez kind of limits the amount of at-bats he's going to get. Uh, it'd be really interesting, though, to see how he progresses. I, I like the stuff. The curveball is nice and sharp. Basketball plays. He's a lefty. So um, lots lots to like there. Um, just fun stuff. So 
Um, another guy on the list is Joe Musgrove. This is a guy that I think a lot of people are in on. I don't think this one's as much of a, uh, a bargain bin type option, but definitely a guy that for me, the big value piece here is where is he going to end up at the trade deadline? This is not a guy that Ben Sherrington is going to want to hold on to new GM in Pittsburgh. This is the type of asset you can move under a little bit of control. I really like to see him out, out the door. Um, and, and really kind of an interesting stat line here, Robbie, what, what do, what do you see with, with Musgrove? Yeah. Like the peripherals are rough. Like in 2018, everybody was excited for him to, to, you know, kind of make that big play after the, uh, Garrett Cole trade and he was six and nine It's sorry, in 115 innings, six and nine hundred Ks ERA just over four. Um, just he did under. have a really strong finish to 2018, though. Like a really he, strong. He finish. did, and and you're exactly right. He ended with 10 quality starts and headed into last season was supposed to be doing everything that Lucas Giolito ended up doing. And in 170 innings, Musgrove was 11 and 12, 157 Ks. So again, still not getting um, a K per nine. ERA went up, uh, what 38 points to 444. And, you know, his walks are low, which is one of the things that everybody really likes about him. But this, this is very Giolito-y. His quality starts went up to 17. So this is a guy who can pitch. He can stay in. He can see into the third time through the, the lineup. And I truly believe if it's going to happen for Joe Musgrove, it's 2020 because it was not 2019. And if you're looking at the stat line thinking, well, like, you know, that's not a breakout. That's not a dynasty guy or he's already there. He is, but he's he's just a guy on your roster. He's not anybody that you're thinking, all right, I you know solidified my team because I signed Joe Musgrove. You're not sure about Musgrove, and and you know we're trying to say there's some good peripheral numbers for him here, but the fantasy line, which again, end of the day, you can have a million amazing peripheral lines that you know everything Babbitt is all against you and everything, but you need to have fantasy stats that line up for you, and Musgrove's fantasy stats. Nobody's drafting a guy who's 11 and 12 in wins and losses. That's just a wash right there. 17 quality starts. That's his biggest strength in 2019. And I'm saying that that can carry over. And all of his other numbers, you know, the walks, just just over two walks per nine. That's that's the thing. And it went up because in 2018, he was 1.79 walks. So I really like Musgrove to make that adjustment this year. Maybe a few more balls in play help him out. I'm not sure what he needs to do. Um, but I'm all in for Musgrove too. Yeah, and Joe Musgrove is the prototypical. Hello. My name is Post Hype. <laughs> for some reason, I thought that was Adele, and I was like, "Oh, this will be five seconds." But that was a quick one. <laughs> that was Lionel Richie, and uh, ultimately, he is a big fan of the Post Hype guys, and and Musgrove is certainly that guy. To your exact point, people were high on him, gave up on him, boom, expect. A really nice, you know, move for him in 2020. I, I don't know how Pittsburgh holds on to him. Doesn't make any sense. Get him out the door. Go turn him into three real good assets. And moving on to a guy that could also find himself in a very similar scenario, uh, Spencer Turnbull in Detroit. He's really not a peak talent, but a really nice, you know, kind of out of nowhere guy for, for Detroit. The numbers were pretty good. 9K, 9K per nine. Uh, really like what he did last year in Detroit. There was some fade off towards the backside. You're going to see that with a lot of young pitchers and kind of guy that if you had him last year and you traded him before the deadline, you probably cashed in a little bit for a move towards the playoffs. Uh, 
still a very respectable 4.6 ERA and nine quality starts, but he's in Detroit. So, I mean, that's the same thing. Uh, if you have a, a bad job and you don't like waking up and going to work, that's what it's like to play in Detroit right now. Um, and so you got to feel for the guy. Uh, really, really beautiful three wins, 17 losses. Um, peak Detroit right now. So that yeah. kind of fills out the the starters. But um, for me, the guys that I think you can get real cheap, still Voth. Uh, I think Yamamoto is a great pickup, but a, probably the highest risk on that board. And if somehow you can get a hold of Musgrove, he's he's definitely the value piece or the highest value piece in that, that option there. So, um, Robbie, you want to take on the bullpen here? Yeah, and just one quick thing on uh, Spencer Turnbull. If somebody in a dynasty format, if you're the team trying to acquire him and somebody's coming back and saying, oh, well, you know, I really like Turnbull. No, they don't. He had, especially in a points format, he would have hurt you so much with 17 losses. He would not have been worth starting because no matter what he did, he wasn't crazy K guy. He was about, you know, nine per nine but he just would not have been able to generate much in the way of points for you that he should be such an easy buy in points formats that his best case scenario, if nothing in his entire life changed, if he just got traded to any other team, <laughs> he, well, he could lose six losses and not gain a win and all of a sudden be what, like 70 points higher on the season for you. So yeah, it won't take I much mean, for Turnbull to just be better. Yeah, he had the same amount of wins as the guy in the stands yelling, Ice cold beer. <laughs> I think he had three more wins than that guy, but that's not saying much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so moving on to RPs, uh, Aaron Bummer. Uh, we got to pick on, not pick on, sorry, we got to pick a White Sox because there are uh, so many guys that everybody loves in fantasy that we wanted to find one here. It was between Bummer and Fulmer, and Bummer seems like the more likely guy to continue getting those safe holds after he had. Uh, what was it, 28 in 2019. He had a 213 ERA in 67 innings. He had 60 Ks, uh, decent walk rate, just over three, and he's given up about five and a half hits per nine innings. So um, we were looking at him owned in 6% of Yahoo leagues last year. So Yahoo, we know high on redraft, but that's the page I've got open right now. So the that's the info I'm giving to you guys. Um, he was in an eight by eight format ranked as the 102nd player overall. So if you're asking why is he going to break out this year, it's that I don't think Aaron Bummer was on enough people's radars that he would have stuck in dynasty format. This is a guy similar to Aaron Savali, who's probably highly available in different formats because nobody had him signed to any sort of extended contract um, because he, in 2018, had a 31 and two-thirds inning um, debut with just 35 Ks. Sorry, I shouldn't say just 35 Ks, but in 31 innings, he had 35 Ks. ERA north of four and a quarter, given up over a hit per inning. Um, the walks were about the same, just under three, but he only had two save holds. So although Bummer kind of came in, in in 2019 and started to get some more save hold opportunities, this is the year that we can certainly see him getting into the 30s. We see that Chicago lineup improving. We don't know how many chances that's going to get for him. But bummer, 2020 breakout could finish the year as the closer. Alex Colomay doesn't have the stuff of Aaron Bummer. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I like him a lot. I mean, I think that whole White Sox team is is a, a great opportunity to own coming into the season. 
definitely. The next guy on the list, uh, I just snuck in, Cody Allen. He's a free agent. I've mentioned him once already on the podcast. This is two times. I really hope some MLB team signs him and we can really enjoy him. I already have him. I already own him. Why don't you? Because he sucks. Okay. Bruce Dark Ratterall, Minnesota. This is somebody that you and I heavily disagree on here. Uh, I think he is a better relief pitcher than a starter because he's got a high 90s fastball. He can be a much more elite guy for three outs than trying to get him through the order that third time. Um, we've already seen Minnesota working Jake Odorizzi to perfection in 2018. Best case scenario for me is Gratterall finds himself a late inning guy in Minnesota. I know we talked about Taylor Rogers from last year. That doesn't mean Gratterall couldn't come in, carve himself out 60 to 80 innings, uh, somewhere North of hundred K's and just put up some great numbers. He will be a little harder to acquire on this list probably than anybody, but that's simply because he's got starting pitcher prospect pedigree. It doesn't mean you can't move some other piece where you've got depth elsewhere to acquire him. And I certainly would go out of my way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm liking Bruce Shard Gatterall. Uh, he hit 102 on the gun last season, setting the record for uh, the Twins organization. I mean, if you've watched much film on this kid, like, it's so effortless to throw 102. Like, it doesn't even look like he's trying to throw 102. It's just like, do, 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 boom. And ultimately that's the kind of starter that i love uh they're generally less injury prone i'm a huge fan of it and um i I think there's enough there that you know if his body's under that much control i think the likelihood of him being able to spin the other pitches should be pretty relevant and ultimately through 17 strikes uh in 25 pitches to get his first win hit triple digits on the gun you know, what else do you want? There's a lot here. Good sink on the fastball. Uh, you know, 102 is sink is going to get the job done. So uh, I don't care what anybody says about the bullpen. Cool, he could be a great closer. He'll also be a very, very well above average starter. I think he's an SP2. Get him in there and be done with it. Fine. So we agree to disagree. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Tanner Rainey? Now, Tanner Rainey is what you think Bruce Ralgatterall is. And this is a guy that throws absolute cheddar just blows it up, but is a little bit wilder. And this is more of a, of a uh, late-inning reliever profile, the kind of guy that grows into that closer role after a couple of years, really similar to a guy like Ken Giles. Uh, I think a really great comparable here, really underappreciated in a lot of leagues. I got him this season in one of our deeper leagues for almost nothing. He was a toss-in uh, on one of my trades. Really like Tanner Rainey. I think, you know, 3.91 ERA last season, he definitely struggled a little bit in the World Series, got a shot, and I think it's part of the reason they solidified their bullpen in this offseason. But at the same time, he is going to push the people in the back end of that uh, bullpen because of the velocity. He's going to blow some doors off and ultimately going to be really, really interesting. But I think this is going to be – I meant to mention it earlier when we were on the 2019 guys – I think it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these these relievers profile with having to pitch a full inning and or a minimum of three batters. There's going to be some guys that have traditionally only thrown a third or two-thirds of an inning regularly that are now going to be stretched outside of their comfort zone uh, that it's going to impact their numbers a little bit. So 
I like guys like uh, Rainey with the high velocity just come in and pump gas because I think some of the other guys are going to struggle a little bit. So um, really, really nice piece to get. The next guy on the list uh, is a guy that I think is more of a bargain bin option. I like the chance he's going to get in Baltimore, and that's Cole Stewart. Uh, kind of bounced around a little bit in Minnesota. Didn't get a really huge shot there, um, but, I, but I like him uh, to potentially even move into the starting rotation. Uh, I think realistically, I, I think he's a reliever. I think he could it, it potentially move into the back end of that rot- or bullpen. Uh, stuff could play there. Originally a really high draft pick uh, out of college and definitely a guy that um, definitely was projected to be more relevant, but love it. Love the chance he's going to get in Baltimore, whether he's in the bullpen or the rotation, it's irrelevant. He's going to get a shot to pitch and what he does with that will matter, but he, he could definitely pitch all season out of the bullpen as a long reliever and potentially build up into that starter. So lots of options, love him there. And then our last guy in the, in the reliever category is a guy that was part of the Corey Kluber trade and really was the centerpiece of that trade, and that's Emmanuel Class, a guy that got some innings last year in Texas but really was under the radar because I think most people, when Kluber got traded for Class, were kind of like, huh, who's this guy? Um, throws absolute bombs, really similar to the last couple guys we've been talking about. Uh, I really like – uh, the upside here, I, I'm still a little terrified by the idea of of really what Cleveland did with that Kluber trade. I feel like they could have done something different, but really substantial numbers last year, 21 Ks and 23 innings, uh, 2.31 ERA with a good 1-1, to 1.1 whip. Um, really was on the wrong side of some losses. So uh, I think the, the only concern here with those numbers is, is he potentially a home run guy? Um, but if not, everything points to him being a pretty important weapon for uh, the Cleveland Indians. So uh, I'm going to toss it back over to you, Robbie, because you love catchers. I do. And I will get into them, but I'm just going to wrap up Klaus because we have heard a lot of flack coming from that trade. And I'm certainly not going to try to justify it with a stat line from a 21 year old. But he did fly up from uh, high A through double A, ended the year with Texas, 44 innings before he got up to Texas. Um, he was a damn fine pitcher, 282 ERA uh, in 39 games. He had 12 saves and 50 Ks. So this is a guy who certainly is going to be able to whiff or get some batters to whiff. So we couldn't have this list without him on because clearly the trade for Kluber has proved that class is worth it for Cleveland to give a legit shot. Now, is this potentially um, like a Jose Leclerc where, you know, it's a flash in the pan? I don't think so. Class is a lot younger. He is already an RP. I could see this as more of a potential Roberto Osuna kind of thing where the guy is um, earning the job early in the year and then it's his for years to come. So, you know, we don't know end of the day what's going to happen here. Um, but most and more importantly, he's a reliever. And we're going to go ahead and move ourselves right along to catcher. And Ty, I appreciate that you are allowing me to hit up my boy here. I'm going to Depoto land, everybody. I'm going to see Tom Murphy. Um, Murphy did not have a great 18 or 19, or sorry, a a 17 and 18 run. Um, He completely fell off radar after having a really good finish to 2017. Um, But Depoto, he knows. He saw the light in the chiseled man. 
and liked the 2019 stat line enough and the depth in his organization with Austin Nola to deal Omar Narvaez to Milwaukee to give Murphy the full-time gig in 2020. Um, Murphy coming over to the AL was able to get in 75 games, 281 at bats last year. He did hit 18 dingers and a K to walk rate just north of four Ks to one walk. Again, it's a catcher, but the batting average was the big bump here. 273 average. That's what he did back in 16 in his debut with Colorado when things were all looking great for him and the OPS north of 850. It's totally repeatable. He's going to get to see more batters if he can do a, as good a job against lefties as he does righties. We're all going to be loving Tom Murphy. Um, he's somebody that I don't want to spend too much more time on because I'm trying to acquire him in every league that I'm in. Anybody that listens, um, I've probably already contacted you. And in the one league that he was dropped, I was so pissed because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get him off waivers. And I made him my number one waiver priority when they opened up. And sure enough, he went to some damn team who already had two MLB catchers. What are you doing? What are you doing? Give me Tom Murphy. Um, anyway, Ty, first baseman, I thought Howie Kendrick. Obviously, the news with Eric Thames signing and the fact that Kendrick is 49 years old wasn't as high for you. You went the other way. Why don't you tell me a little bit of, about your homer outpick? <laughs> this is a guy that I just I just really like what he brings to the table. I'm not going to lie to you. When he was in the minor leagues, I, I spent some time – going through some of his video, and then I watched him hit in Buffalo, uh, and that's Rowdy Talese. This is a guy that I was a, a huge uh, pessimist on him for a long time. I've really turned the page here. I think there's some huge upside, and I think you know him and Vladdy kind of had the same message last year, and that was just go up there and swing out of your shoes. And I don't think that's what Rowdy Talese is there to do. I think Vladdy's a, a better hitter. And I think they were just trying to get them both a little bit of confidence um, by trying to get and, and guess on some pitching. Where Rowdy Talese is really, really dangerous is when he's hitting the ball the other way. His play coverage is excellent. For whatever reason, they, they wanted him to pull the ball a little more last year. I think you're going to see him regress a little bit towards the, the oppo field again. And that's the thing that I'm excited for they're going to give him the lion's share of a bats because they really need to know what he's doing. Um, you know, between him and Travis Shaw, they're going to really take the, the lion's share of, of first base and DH and all likelihood Justin Smokes finally clear, uh, really only going to be spelled off by days that um, Vladdy is not playing third base. So I think this is a guy that still a lot of people are really, really low on. And based on the output from last year is a guy that you can acquire for cheap He's going to get at-bats. So if you're struggling for a first baseman right now in your league, go get Rowdy Talese. He's going to get starters innings. Um, minimum 500 at-bats is what I'm projecting for him this year. And that's a crazy number, and I know a lot of people don't love that projection, but I'm telling you he's going to play. He was good against lefties last year, and for whatever reason they just didn't play him. And I think you're going to see that change this year. It's, it certainly is interesting because Toronto addressed what they deemed to be their big off-season need, which was starting pitching, and the other need was first base, and they haven't addressed it. And that might be for exactly what you're saying, Ty, is the fact that they think Talese could be the guy, or at least there's somebody potentially 
on or very close to that roster in the Jays organization that could do it. So um, moving on to second base, do you want to go first with your bust or do you want me to pick my diamond? <laughs> What's your preference? Yeah, I, I'm going to go. This guy is, is not a bust. Uh, Brandon Lau <laughs> is a guy that he got hurt last year. He was an all-star, right? So this is not a guy that uh, – he's, he's an all-star. <laughs> he's not a nobody, but – I, I watched him ironically in Buffalo when I was checking out Rowdy. Same time. Yeah. So, so funny enough that they're back to back in this, this list here. But um, I fell in love with Brandon Lau in that game. I think he had two bombs that he's not a huge guy. And I just loved everything about his swing. The power was, was raw and real. And it was just fun to watch. So I, I've been a fan of him since he was in AAA because that's really where he jumped onto my radar. And he did exactly what I expected him to do at the pro level. And I think blew a lot of people away. So uh, because of the injury, because of all the moves that Tampa's made this year, um, I think people are forgetting about him. And, and because of the moves, I think he's going to be in a position to succeed. So love Brandon Lau. If you can go get him, he might cost you a little bit, but I'm telling you he's going to be worth it. So go do it. Uh, and, and he's definitely inside the top 10 at second base if he stays healthy. Whew. Not going to call that your boldest take because we haven't heard you talk about Grichik. But I'm going to go ahead and say Mauricio Dubon, San Francisco, um, second baseman. Last year in 106 at-bats, he came in, uh, 29 hits, four home runs, 274 uh, batting average in MLB. However, he did have 123 games and over 530 at-bats at AAA where he had a 302 uh what are we 822 ops and a pretty solid um strikeout to walk rate of 28 walks 68 k so just over two to one um this is a guy who puts the ball in play and does a pretty good job of it and he's going to be able to play second base really well in san francisco he's not going to be pushed by anybody coming up to bump him out so i like dubon to really settle himself in this year he should certainly have a very low acquisition cost because he did not do a good job in establishing himself um in milwaukee after keston Hira kind of blew everything up and orlando arcia was somehow milwaukee's preferred pick to keep around than himself so that big ballpark in san francisco for a lot of fantasy owners is going to kill some of dubon's value i'm telling you right now that's not his strength he's not going to hit the ball out of the park for you 25 times in a year what you're going to want to get out of him um so i guess i should preference he hit 20 home runs in triple a last year um, he then turned around and hit four more in MLB. That's not the norm for him. He doesn't have another pro season with 10 or more. So that was the ball really more than anything. He may have changed his launch angle slightly, but you're getting him for balls in play for a high batting average for runs, RBIs. Those are the things you want out of him. Um, I really like him to break out. And I am, I currently today in dynasty own zero shares of him. By the time the season starts, I hope to have three or four. Yeah, absolutely. Just jumping back really quickly uh, to Rowdy Tellez, 270 versus lefties uh, over his career. A slugging percentage is is really reasonable uh, up in the 513, 831 OPS. So no reason to be scared of him as a lefty on lefty, which is why I really like him. So um, just jumping ahead uh, into third base. This is a guy that is going to play in all likelihood second base, uh, but I think there's a there's a value option here because I think he had a very mediocre 2019 after being a really exciting guy, uh, whether it's because of his position eligibility or because of his potential upside, but that's Ryan McMahon in Colorado. I think 
The only potential asterisk here for Ryan McMahon is if Brandon Rodgers finally takes that leap. I'm not a Brandon Rodgers fan. I don't think he's that good. And I think Ryan McMahon has the chance to make that adjustment and be the guy, which is why I like him for a breakout in 2020, because I just don't think Brandon Rodgers is the guy that's going to take that position away from him. Yeah, one of your big things too, Ty, is you, you want to see what a player is doing when he's approaching that thousand at bat area. And that should be this year for McMahon. He's at sitting at 680 today, and that's with 19 in 2017, which, you know, cup of coffee. Um, but in 2018, he had 181, and everybody was thinking big things were going to come that year, but he only had a 232 batting average and an OPS of 683. So last year he came in got himself what 480 at bats 24 home runs 83 rbis that's looking pretty good about a three to one k to walk ratio but the average was only 250 and the ops at 779 so this is a guy who we do know of but this goes back to what we've been talking about on several of our previous episodes most recent he was a former first base prospect for colorado so the hype was there but it's now just like Tom Murphy. It's worn off a bit. He's now a baseball player, and it appears as though he's the second baseman. But as you talked about, Ty, the reason why he was slotted in here, I guess we talked about it off air, was there's all this chatter about Arenado being traded. Well, if Arenado's traded, the team that's trading for him is not giving a third base player back. So McMahon's the most likely guy to slot over there. So he's easy enough for us to put on the list here. I mean, I like McMahon. I want to see that that step forward and I'm with you on um, Ryan McMahon over Brendan Rogers. And you know what he is? He's the kind of guy that as Lionel would say, hello fits that lovely post hype profile. Pardon? Not a Lionel guy. Eh? Uh, it's your delivery. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's like you're looking for the fastball or i'm looking for the fastball and then you throw me a knuckle <laughs> yeah well it's, that's exactly what you want to do as a pitcher keep your hitter off uh off balance so let's dive in shortstop i think we hammered mcmahon who's your your guy at shortstop i i mentioned him when i talked about dubon that uh milwaukee chose to keep orlando arcia uh he broke in as a 21 year old with milwaukee and has you know, had a full season in 17 and then partial play. I mean, whatever, half a season. Uh, he did play in 119 games, but this guy was pulled early and often 348 at bats last year uh, in what was it? 152 games finally got a full season under himself, but the batting average at, at 223 OPS 633, none of the stat lines have looked as good as they did in 2017. So you might say, well, he came in and he left. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'd like, I'm not denying that he's got 1500 at bats, but this is the year for RC, I think to really come in and solidify himself. There certainly is competition in Milwaukee for him now, um, but he's going to enter this year at 24 finished at 25. And I can really see RC picking a lot of things up. So last year, he had 15 home runs. That wasn't the ball because in 2017, he also had 15 home runs. So I can certainly see him hitting that mark or higher. The RBIs for him because he hit so so much later in that Milwaukee lineup were a little lower than they should have been at 59. Again, you don't have a high batting average. Those things are going to suffer. Um, so I can really see Arcia coming in with a batting average probably 50-plus points higher than last so year. The big reason I like Arcia is um, really had a horrid start last year. 
and then the numbers really solidified towards the end of the year. Yeah, the batting average is still a little hurt, but I mean, the reality is he was that bad um, the beginning of the year. And so for me, I, I just really like where, um, you know, we can kind of see his projections. Um, you know, the, the first half he's, he hit 239, but uh, the, the other peripheral numbers weren't great. Um, hold on a sec. Yeah, he wouldn't have hit uh, 230. Maybe that was his No, I've got it the other way around. Had a great start and then fell off the radar towards the end of the season. Um, and, and that was that was it. Uh, the the at-bats were, were limited towards the stretch. And, you know, ultimately, if he's not getting the same plate appearances down the stretch, you, you're, you can't really blame the guy for not being able to hit consistently when he's used to regular at-bats. So uh, I think this is a guy that is going to be misunderstood this offseason because everybody looks at the Luis Urias trade as a, as a trade that – oh, he's going to come in and play shortstop and your RC is done. I'm not so sure about that. And what I actually think the outcome here is the reality of um, Kessin Hira moving to third base is what I think is going to happen. Uh, slide Urias in at second base. That tandem up the middle is ridiculous. And so that's why I kind of like Arcia, assuming that that's where he stays. He's still listed atop the depth chart. Um, on Milwaukee uh, at MLB.com. So Eric Sogard is not going to start third base. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. They don't uh, want somebody with that little power to be at third base. And Arcia going to third base doesn't make sense. So Arcia is the shortstop. You know, like you said, Ty, here, here is over at, at third base in all likelihood. That's, I, I like their, their infield if that's where they go. Uh, Sogard is an excellent guy, utility guy that can fill – multiple spots same with Urias they've got a ton of flexibility whereas their infield last year included Travis Shaw and Mike Moustakis so from a defensive side of the ball if you're a pitcher uh, in Milwaukee you've got to be excited looking at these young guys that can can really feel the ball so uh, put Justin Smoke over at, at first base and that's that's a gold glove infield uh, across the board pretty much so um, I think that's a really really good option um, and I'm really intrigued by what they're doing in Milwaukee because their pitching is a weird thing for me. Yeah, and, and just because the Urias trade happened certainly doesn't mean that he walks in, takes the job at shortstop, and it's his forever. Um, you know, Orlando Arcia proved that that's not how it works, you know, in Milwaukee. He also still has two options left. So he could, like uh, Urias I'm talking about here, he could certainly be sent down. Arcia does have one option left. But my point here is that he fits in this lineup well, despite what you might see online right now. Um, Ryan Healy's not going to come out of nowhere and take the third base job. It's up for grabs. And I think in all likelihood, Hira might be somebody who, and we'll have to wait until spring training games really get started. He might be somebody that in all likelihood moves himself over. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, jumping ahead into the outfield. This is one of my guys. Love this guy. I think 2020 is going to be the, finally the year that he gets a shot. Um, Jose Martinez is out. So that's more at bats for him for sure. I don't see how he doesn't crack the major league roster this year. This is a guy that had something like a home run every six at bats up until last season in the minor leagues. Uh, and that's Tyler O'Neill. Love this guy. I think he's got tremendous upside and I think he is so underappreciated at this point in time. Uh, first round pick originally of Seattle was traded to St. Louis. I don't even remember who they gave up in that trade, but really great trade for St. Louis. And I think they're going to reap the benefits this season. This is the kind of bat that you can find fourth fifth and i think we'll ultimately basically replace the production that we saw from 
uh, Marcelo Zuna last season. I think it's the biggest reason that the Cardinals are not bringing Ozuna back to the table. And I'm really excited to see a good old Canadian boy uh, out there in left field in St. Louis. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look here. Uh, so the Tyler O'Neill trade, a surprising move, acquiring power hitting minor league prospect Tyler O'Neill from the Mariners for left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez. That's what it was. That's right. Um, yeah, so that was a good deal for the Mariners at the time. And Gonzalez has settled in. a trade for both in. sides in all likelihood. Yeah, like by the time that's this a, is over. That's a baseball trade. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind that you'd like to see in your dynasty leagues. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think O'Neill certainly should settle in. It's a matter of is St. Louis done right now or is St. Louis about to make a bigger deal and we could see O'Neill shipped out. We, we can't play on ifs, ands, and buts, so O'Neill is on the list for a breakout. I, I'm sure no matter where he goes, if he was to leave St. Louis, it would only – excuse me, improve his odds of getting even more playing time, just like it did Randall Gritchick a couple years ago. I just think St. Louis is desperate for a middle-of-the-lineup bat to go alongside Goldschmidt, and I think O'Neill's that guy. You put him right in behind Goldschmidt. I really like the upside, um, and I like the power right in behind him. So that, that St. Louis roster is going to be good. They're definitely going to beat up on each other in the NL Central. We've talked about that before. Um, I, I love that, that pickup. And if you can get him, which you still can for relatively cheap, I, I really like his upside. So don't be shy. Uh, moving on to another outfielder, uh, Daz Cameron in Detroit. I think he's going to get a real shot to crack that squad this year. And I think that's the biggest reason he has value. He's going to be a starter. And a guy that was a former first-round pick, the Houston Astros. Um, who did they trade to him for in Detroit? Can you look that one up? Uh, I don't recall how oh, they well. acquired him. Um, but at the end of the day, this is – um, Mike Cameron's son, uh, former outfielder for Boston and Se Seattle, and ultimately uh, has the pedigree, oh. has, has had some struggle um, throughout the minors, but I think this is a guy that has all the tools in the world to play defense, and for that reason, I think he's going to get a shot to play in Detroit, and they're going to see if he has what it takes to turn that corner. So I think the power numbers are there. He's got a little bit of speed, plays good defense. So a guy that really likes really similar to your guy here, Robbie. Um, but I, but I like Cameron to take that step forward a little bit more. The raw tools coming to fruition here. Yeah. So just to circle back very quickly here. Um, so it was Daz Cameron, Franklin Perez, and Jake Rogers went to Houston, and all that Houston got back, they kind of got suckered on this one. Was Justin Verlander. <laughs> so. Yeah, Daz Cameron almost owes all of the poor Detroit Tiger fans some hot production. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not up to Cameron here, of course. Uh, he has always been at the younger ed end sorry, of the uh, leagues he has been playing in. Uh, last year, I think I just saw it. It was said he was almost five years younger than the competition he was playing against. Like, the, the kid's 22. So this is a this is a great shot here, like you said, and we've talked about it before. There is very little depth in Detroit, and certainly nobody should be pushing them aside. And they should be on the cusp of making that move. So yeah, four point nine years younger last year, playing AAA in Toledo, and he had five hundred and oh sorry, four hundred and fifty at bats. And I mean, this is the problem here, Ty. Two fourteen batting average. Now yeah. when you go back to uh, the fall league, he was much better and 342, 903 OPS. 
but again, then you're getting back to, he's still young for his age. He's still a year and a half younger than the average guy. Um, but there's nobody there in Detroit. So this could be kind of like the Marlins way back when they let some of their guys come up and struggle at the big league level. Cameron could easily be one of those guys. Yeah. Really interesting stats here. I think there's some peripheral stuff that I'm, I'm looking at that I really like. Um, but this is a guy, again, uh, you're going to get him for really cheap at this point in time. And so Fangraph, if you, if you follow some of the scouting rankings, uh, his hit tool is at 35 right now, but, They've got the upside at, at 55, and ultimately, if he gets there, um, the thing that's only really going to hold him back uh, is some of the in-game power. The home run numbers haven't been anything to get overly excited about, with the exception of uh, a 14 home run season in 2017, um, and then he he swatted 13 last year. But I, I like him as a really buy-low option, a multi-category guy. This is the kind of center fielder on the bottom half of, of the top 30 starters is really going to give you multi-category power. Might not, you know, drive you to the top of any specific category, but I think he's going to pad your stats in each of them. So uh, a guy that I like because of the acquisition value and the potential upside, if you can bury him in your minor leagues for at least a season, then that's a beautiful scenario. Um, so, yeah, definitely grab Daz Cameron. I think there's, there's enough to get excited about over the long haul here. And on the other end of this, this is the uh, hello, my name is Post Hype that Ty likes to preach on. Hello. Wow, that was quick. Good yeah. on you. You must have that ready. <laughs> it is. It's right up in front of me. Perfect. So Brett Phillips, who you do not believe in, Ty, but I do, uh, should be the right fielder, left fielder, center fielder, should play in Kansas City this year um, somewhere. Last year, 105 games at AAA. I'm going to read you off the the dirty, the 240 batting average, but the the walk to strikeout ratio uh, is less than two to one. So in 72 walks and 118 Ks, I really like that. Great hitter's eye. Uh, the average just hasn't come together for him yet, but that's okay. When he was younger, he had it and he was, you know, smacking the ball all over the place. As a pro now, he's starting to get it together. Last year, his OPS was 883 at AAA. He did come up. He played 30 games, only saw 65 at-bats, and did not have a good number, or sorry, good numbers in Major League Baseball. This is why he's on the list. Go and get Brett Phillips. Make him your fourth outfielder if you're, you know, really in a rough spot. But in all likelihood, make him your 26th man. Pick up Brett Phillips for next to nothing or absolutely nothing if he's on waivers for a league minimum for whatever it is. And thank me in September when he has helped you ride that wave to the championship because Brett Phillips will be putting it all together this year. I don't know what's going to happen with stolen bases. Last year he had 25 of them across the two levels and Kansas city is a team that's okay with guys stealing. I want to see it. I want to see Brett Phillips put it together this year. I know I've got him in one dynasty league. I have a trade offer that's currently pending. I've been going back and forth with a guy about it. Sometimes when you approach an owner about a player more than once, they start to wonder why, and they just want more for the sake of it. So get Brett Phillips, make it quick and dirty. You'll thank me later. He's my pick. Yep. Well, and he's he on the Kansas City depth chart is a starting left fielder. So, you know, again, a guy that's not being valued as a starter right now, and that's a huge, huge opportunity to Robbie's point. I do have a couple shares of him, though, so I'm not, I don't disagree with you on Brett Phillips. 
I am a little more gun shy about his his ceiling. That's my concern. I don't know how much of a huge upside guy he can be. Uh, he has the prospect caliber. I actually think our right fielder is is a guy that has a much higher ceiling, but also has a lower floor uh, because of the situation that he has himself in in San Diego, and that's Josh Naylor, another Canadian boy, former junior all-star home run derby champion in Minnesota. Um, this guy hits bombs and just hasn't had a lot of chances at the major league level. Probably unlikely to get them early this season. Uh, kind of guy that's going to slip in under the radar if there's some injuries. And if for whatever reason Trent Grisham doesn't really get going in San Diego this year, uh, Josh Naylor's definitely going to get some of those at-bats. So really exciting. And then ultimately, if Eric Hosmer continues to trend downward, um, he could steal some at-bats there as well too. So a lot to like here. But ultimately, I think this is a guy that ends up mid-season on another roster. And I think that's where um, Josh Naylor really picks up the value and finishes strong because he's going to get some real at-bats to showcase the power that he has. Well, to back you up on this here, Ty, because I haven't liked a lot of guys on your list. You haven't liked a lot of mine. And I think that's one of the things that makes us really good to listen to is the fact that we have differing opinions. But I'm with you on Naylor with his 2018 uh, 290, this is a double A, 297 stat line, uh, 830 OPS, and he was a 21 year old, 22 year old, 314, and a 936 in 56 games at AAA before he got called up to a San Diego team that wasn't doing their best. And he struggled to a 250, 719 OPS. Now, the reason that I'm not seeing all the other numbers are that they're, they're pretty solid. Like the, the walk to strikeout ratio is one-to-one you know he had 64 and and 64 walks and 69 strikeouts in 2018 and last year in triple a he was 28 walks 30 k's but then when he got to mlb i think he was a little overwhelmed he was seeing a lot of things for the first time you know you're taking the plane instead of taking the bus and he had 25 walks to 64 k's i can certainly see him coming back here and I can certainly see him getting opportunity in San Diego for exactly the reasons that you said, Ty. I don't know in dynasty format that he is going to be easy to acquire, but we're not talking about how you can go and get somebody dirt cheap. That's just what I naturally go to is, as Ty had mentioned, I want people that are on waivers in 30-team leagues more than I want to pay for somebody. But Josh Naylor is probably somebody, the more I look into him, the more I'm willing to pay. And San Diego, although they are a team on the rise, doesn't have Josh Naylor as the obvious starter at said position. And that's a really good thing for fantasy owners because you can go out to whoever it is that has him now and make a a respectable offer and probably pick him up. Or something that I always like to do is mention a couple players that I'd be more than happy to get, even though, say, Naylor is my target. And I will work a negotiation and do my best to make sure that I nail her. <laughs> Jeez. All, I should have really set that up with a bar joke or something involving my wife. But regardless, I think Josh Naylor is a perfectly fine guy to go ahead and get. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Will Myers is definitely a guy that's only starting because of his, his paycheck. And yeah. I think this is a guy that could lose his job to, to Josh Naylor. So uh, I, I think there's a multiple options that Naylor sees himself uh, getting some starting time, including – uh, Tommy Pham finding himself on the, the IR and or Margot not producing at any point. So 
Um, it, it, between him and Grisham, there's definitely going to be some at-bats, and it'll be really interesting to see the progression of the Padres this season as they're under a lot of pressure to win. So uh, I like him a lot, and that wraps us up kind of for our 2020 breakout guys that we think have been on the periphery, and you can still kind of take a look at at relatively low acquisition cost. Definitely. And I have a final point here, Ty. I have been a busy man on Twitter. Um, we have been working it hard with the uh, at Dingers pod on Twitter, as well as myself at Robbie Baseball One and yourself at Turney Boss. And we had a listener, Brad Williamson, who made a call, hopefully a new listener, I should say, because uh, we were, I was on Twitter looking at um, uh, Zach Roto, which is at Zach Roto, uh, puts out a lot of good stuff. And he was discussing um, hitters who had home runs after two strikes. And his comment was something about somebody else. But if Mondesi does this or that, he's an elite player and I made a joke about uh, if you think Mondesi is elite I have some beautiful beans I would like to sell you uh, and I told him that I would get into it on the podcast so here I am I'm going to get into why we have a strong sell on Mondesi as we had previously mentioned the 28 percent um, K rate in 2018 when he broke in was the big flag for him well it went up last year it went to 32 uh, it wasn't the only flaw though the increased K rate, you know, maybe that was for more power. Well, his OPS of 804 in 2018 seemed really good. Last year it dropped to 200 or sorry, 715, um, but all the power numbers were going up everywhere. So 804 wasn't elite by any standard, but the combo of dinger, steals, OPS, um, but the bad K rate, that could all improve. That made him really interesting last year in the offseason. Uh his dingers per plate appearance from 16 to 18 uh, wasn't great in 19 it got worse um, so he's not a dingers guy in 18 was maybe a blip for him so you didn't want to bank on 15 so the average over 280 and an uh, ops over 755 a k percentage under 25 walks over 10 percent um, but at mlb he's only been walking at four percent and it's just not looking good for him here and he's winning you one category ty you talk about this all the time there's no point in going hard on stolen base guys if all they're giving you is one category. And I don't want to say Billy Hamilton, but we could certainly see Monacy becoming a Billy Hamilton. Um, he needs to get on base more so he can steal more because I created a new stat, which is amazing. And it's the SPTOB percentage. And that's the stolen, <laughs> um, the, what, what is it here? Uh, get on base more so he steals per times on base so stolen bases for the times he's on um and it's it's just another way to lessen the look of his potential eliteness uh you can look at his steals per at bat which was 10.3 uh, last year and that was down from 10.9 and 18 so he just has not excelled where he's supposed to and last year was the year for him to do all those things and and everybody else seemed to get better and Mondesi didn't and Odor would be the player that I would comp Mondesi to the, the most. And this is for fantasy, not the stat line. Odor is always supposed to be better and never gets better. He has now lessened his ability to, you know, make contact, put the ball in play. Um, the stolen bases weren't the same between the two guys, but, but there's so much more. This is why for me, Mondesi is a hard sell. Um, Brad, I hope you're cool with how I broke that down. 
the stats are there, my, my friend. I'm all about controversy. So if you think he's there, get him. Let's get in some leagues together. Um, our Roto League is now available. If you hit us up at Dinger's Pod, we're going to get you into that Roto League. 15-team uh, league. We have 11 teams available right now. I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm not ready to give up entirely, I'm honestly, just on a quick loop back. Uh, that said, I've never really been in on him. Um, he's a guy that has a way too low floor for me, and I, I hate those guys. But, yeah, I'm excited to, to give this Roto thing a try. It's been a really long time since I've watched paint dry. So uh, <laughs> super excited for, for oh, what this man. <laughs> And not to mention, it's just another opportunity to just bring down the house on Ronnie. So uh, really, really excited and can't wait to, you know, get right into it and throw some aggressive chirps your way to all the listeners that want to be a part of that league. Yeah, we will be starting up a group me room for that as well. So um, you'll also be able to hit us up with some random questions in addition to insults uh, as you look up at us in the standing. So again, at Dinger's Pod, we will post it when the episode goes live. So if you are listening to this now, get on Twitter at Dinger's Pod. If you are not following us already, follow us, send us a DM, and we will get you into that listener league. And if it fills up quickly, who knows? Maybe we're going to hit some head-to-head categories. It, it could happen. Crazier things have. Did you hear the fun news about our favorite listener? Uh, no. Uh, Ronnie Roto let me know today that he specifically said, um, thank you for not being a dick because uh, he didn't use that word. He used a, um, a more inappropriate word because he got kicked out of a league. He said, I appreciate you. I got booted from a league before it started for just my usual kind of trash talk. <laughs> and well, I, could, I was at work. I noticed that on my lunch break. I couldn't stop laughing because we love trash talk and we, we love, love it from it. Ronnie Roto. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's great. Uh, that's what these things are about. Get in, have some fun and pick on your friends, right? Like I didn't know Ronnie before a couple of years ago and now – he gets mentioned in every single episode as a guy that just doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to fantasy baseball. <laughs> and if you, if you get into the Roto League, uh, Ronnie is in. He, he was all over this. So you'll get to see firsthand how inappropriate he can be, not just with um, destroying rosters, but also trash talk. And, and the grammar, Ronnie. The grammar is so terrible. <laughs> just have a look at what you've typed before you hit enter. Anyway, I wish I would have known you were going to end the episode with that. I would have had Nelly ready to go with country grammar. <laughs> but uh, we'll have another chance to hit at him. <laughs> that's right. Until next week, it's been Ron, Ron, Ron Burgundy. Ron. I, I, I am Ron Burgundy. It's been <laughs> Robbie and Tyler. We'll see you next week on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.